Thanks for checking out the Candeo podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at candeochurch.com. Wow. It is so great to see all of you. I hope that this morning is an encouragement to you. Like Cody said, uh, maybe you walked in this morning not realizing you were walking into a birthday party. I just want you to know you have not crashed the party. You have contributed to it. And so we'd love for you to stick around. My name is Jake. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And if you can't tell, today is a really special day for us. And so uh, like some special occasions, perhaps, uh, you know, you maybe dress up a little bit. I see some of you wearing some old Candeo swag. Um, in, in looking forward to this morning, I, I've been looking for a, a, I don't know if this is a sport jacket, a blazer. I don't know the difference. Is it the number of buttons? No idea. Uh, was looking for one. I, liked, I wanted one with elbow patches. So could not find one. Found one online that was used. Used clothing, okay? I figure, so... So I have nothing against used clothing because I figured that like dry cleaning could erase whatever past this jacket has had, right? So ordered it, uh, came in, but before I sent it off to be dry cleaned, I checked the pockets because I'm like, you know what? Maybe there's like an abandoned $100 bill in here, right? You know, it's like the adult version of looking in the, the couch cushions, you know? So I checked the pockets. Unfortunately, there was no $100 bill. There was, there was no money. But what I did find was a folded up piece of paper that was, as I unfolded it, it was uh, country club stationery that had the, what, what must have been notes for like a corporate events speech, right? Because as you kind of, as I kind of read through the bullet points, I should have kept it to show you that this was real. And, um, but it had like notes for this, this speech that had to have been for a corporate event because it was talking about like a great year of revenues, uh, the expansion of the company, the growth of, you know, whatever the product was, like the additions and staff and successful projects and all that stuff. And it makes total sense, right? Like you can just kind of imagine a guy giving this speech at a corporate event and it makes total sense that at a corporate event that whoever the CEO is or whoever's leading gets up there and really highlights and makes a big deal of the organization. But what's different about this morning is that we have not gathered together this morning for a corporate event. Because the church is not a business. And the church is not a building. But the church is a people a people of God who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, united with God through Christ, and therefore united with one another, that the church is a family. That as we gather together, as we get into connection groups, as we partner together to do a bunch of things throughout the community that we certainly are excited about and celebrate, we are not um, co-workers necessarily. We are brothers and sisters who work together because we have been united by the blood of Jesus. So this morning, I wanna make it abundantly clear. This morning, our goal is not ultimately to celebrate Candeo, but our goal this morning is to celebrate the God that Candeo worships, is to celebrate the God that has been faithful to us for the last decade. So how should we celebrate on a day like this? It's good for us to pull over at key moments 
as a church, it's good for you to pull over at key moments in your life or in the life of your family, but how should we do this? How should we celebrate together on a day like this? Now, perhaps if we had listened to the right podcast and we were organizationally savvy, we would, we would take this opportunity to reiterate our mission and our vision. We would take this time to maybe unveil a new initiative or a great idea to rally around some sort of thing that we can have some sort of cardboard thermometer right, that we can draw in and track our progress. Like, if we were really, really smart, that's what we would do, right? And I don't want to demonize those things as if those are inherently bad. But we actually have a pattern in Scripture that informs how we should approach key moments in our life, whether that's individually, whether that's as a family, or whether that's today as a church, And one instance where we see this pattern is in the book of Acts. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to Acts chapter 4. This is just one of many instances we could have grabbed this morning. And as you're turning to Acts chapter 4, I just want to give you a little bit of context. And so there are these two guys, Peter and John. They are disciples of Jesus Christ, and they are walking into the temple to pray. And as they're walking into the temple, they see a guy who has been crippled from birth who is begging for money. Because this was a very common occurrence Back then, unable to work, sits outside the temple and is hoping to be able to capitalize on the benevolence of religious people. Not a bad thing. It makes total sense. And Peter sees this guy begging for money and he turns around. He's like, like, hey, man, I don't have money, but here's what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. You You could say that Peter was the very first Mr. Beast of the first century, right? Like a total unexpected, you know, like, like you're asking for money, I'm gonna give you mobility, right? Like, like I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna raise your expectation through the roof here, right? And so this guy gets healed, obviously that, that attracts a large crowd because this guy that they've seen for years and years, crippled from birth, is now getting up walking, attracts the crowd. Peter sees the opportunity of a large crowd being gathered and shares the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ with a whole bunch of people. Now the religious leaders and the governing authorities really don't like this. So they arrest Peter and John, they throw them in jail and they threaten them with their lives to never speak about this name of Jesus ever again, which is where we pick up here in Acts chapter four, verse 23. It says this, after they were released, they went to their own people and reported everything the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against his Messiah." For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed... The place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. 
Now, interestingly, this is the first time in the book of Acts that we see real opposition directed towards the Christian church. We're just in chapter four. The Holy Spirit has fallen in chapter two, right? We get through chapter three, and now here in chapter four, this is the first instance of experiencing oppression. And this is perhaps the first time that Christians began to grapple with the reality. They they probably knew it intellectually because Jesus told them that they would suffer for their faith, but this is the first time that they would really, really experience and begin to grapple with the reality that because of this faith, I will suffer, and perhaps because of this faith, I will die. But as you'll see, if you read through the New Testament, and as you'll see, if you look at church history, that persecution to the church is what water is to a grease fire. Persecution to the church has never diminished it. It has only made it spread. But notice a couple of things here in this passage that we see that should inform how we go about living our lives and should inform how we go about celebrating all that God has done over the last 10 years. First, Peter and John, notice this, Peter and John, it's really easy for us to think that these disciples are these like super apostles enshrined in stained glass, right? They are just like next level Christians that If anyone was close to God, if you wanted anyone to pray for you, it'd be these guys, right? I mean, he had just like healed a guy. Like these are super Christians, right? But notice Peter and John in the face of threat and opposition were part of a community of faith. What do they do immediately after they're released? They go to their fellow believers and tell them everything that happened. You see, even guys like Peter and John, even the strongest Christians you could ever think of needed community. They needed people who would care for them, people who would encourage them, people who would pray for them. You see, the more isolated you are from Christian community, the more vulnerable you are to discouragement, to the discouragement that comes from difficulty. You see, some of you are not doing yourselves any favors when it comes to being discouraged because you are removing yourself from the context of Christian community. And you're not recognizing that it is often through other people that God works toward you. And it's often the case that difficulty will either drive you away from God or will drive you toward God. You see, the issue often in the face of difficulty is not necessarily how we respond, but where we respond. You say, what in the world does that mean? It's not so much how we respond, it's where we respond. What do I mean by that? Well, there are two common responses to difficulty. I'll call the first response the fountain response. Some of you fountains will, some of you know fountains, right? Where it's like, you go through difficulty, and now your problem is everybody's problem. You just spill out, you know? It's like, it's the topic of every conversation. It's like, you've had the same conversation a hundred times about the problem that you're having, the difficulty you're going through, and it just kind of becomes the the topic of every text and, you know, everything you post on social media. It's just like, oh, here's my problem. You just kind of spill over to everybody, right? Some of you fountains know what I'm talking about. Some of you people who live with fountains, right? That's not necessarily, that's not necessarily bad, because the other end of the spectrum is not so much being a fountain, but is being a fortress, right? Where instead of just spilling out in the, in the face of difficulty, you, you go on lockdown, right? And you just kind of keep everything in. 
and you withdraw. Maybe you go in like mental, physical, emotional lockdown. You're just kind of like, I just want to be away from people. Leave me alone. But the thing about you fortresses, where it's like, oh, we're very strong. The thing about, and I'll include myself, I'm probably more in the fortress category here. The thing about us fortresses, though, is that we, are very, we can become like dying stars. You know what happens when a star dies, right? It collapses in on itself, and then it explodes. So you kind of have the same problem, right? It's like, what do you want all over the place? Do you want water, or do you want shrapnel? Either way, it's a mess, right? You have fountains, you have fortresses. But notice, notice what we see. Consider, consider Job. Consider the psalmists. Consider the prophets. Consider what they're doing right here. What are they doing? Notice, they raise their voices together to God. Ah, there it is. You see, opposition and fear pushed them toward God, not away from him. You see, it seems as though what we're seeing in Scripture is it's like, pour out your heart. Pour it out. But, be, but make sure you're pouring it out in the right direction. To God. Tell the one who can actually do something about your situation all that you feel and think. And so where do they run? They run to God. How do they run to him? They run to him in prayer. And what do they pray? I'm not going to read it again, but if you read through their prayer here in verses 24 through 28, you'll see that they remind themselves first of who God is. That's how the prayer starts. They remind themselves of who God is. He's the one who made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. That's who God is. And then they remind themselves about what God has done. Namely, the salvation that he brought about through God's sovereign hand, working all things according to his purpose in Jesus Christ. So who God is and what God has done. Now notice what they don't pray for. Notice what they don't pray for. They don't pray for protection. That would make all the sense in the world, right? They've just been threatened with their lives. You'd think that their first prayer request would be, God, put a hedge of protection around us. Whatever that hedge is, I don't know. What's with all these hedges, by the way? They don't pray for protection. They don't pray for better circumstances. They don't even pray for their needs to be met. What do they pray for? God, because of who you are and because of what you have done, give us boldness. You see, it was by remembering who God is and it was by remembering what God has done that they could combat their fears and be filled with boldness. Now, we're kind of parachuting into Acts 4 here this morning, but this pattern of remembering who God is and remembering what God has done to fuel future boldness, this pattern, this is the pattern that we see all throughout Scripture. Consider the Old Testament, especially if you read after Exodus chapter 15, you'll see over and over and over again that when God's people were in a difficult situation, when God's people were lacking faith, when they were, when they were being totally disobedient, when they weren't walking according to God's ways, when they were filled with doubt and fear about stepping into the thing that God had before him, how does the Lord address them in pivotal moments? Over and over and over again. He would say, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. 
here's who I am, and here's what I've done. Don't forget who I am, and don't forget the great salvation that I have accomplished on your behalf. And do you see, God's great rescue of the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt in the Old Testament is a foretaste. It is an appetizer of God's great salvation that he has brought about for us in Christ. Because our testimony is the, is the same. Imagine, imagine this. Imagine being on the other side of the Red Sea. The people have got to just cross through the waters and you go, tell me what happened. Here's what that Israelite would say. They would say something like, I was once a slave under the reign of a foreign taskmaster. But God saw me in my great need and by no power of my own, he intervened on my behalf. Death passed over me as I hid under the blood of the lamb and he brought me out of slavery. And now I'm on my way to the land that he has promised that I will live forever, but I'm not there yet. And in the meantime, I will joyfully and gratefully live according to his ways. That's what and a Jewish person being rescued from Egypt would say, and that is, is that not our exact testimony? That we were a slave, dead in our sins, under the reign of a foreign taskmaster, but God saw us in our great need, and he intervened, and as we hid under the blood of his lamb, Jesus Christ, we were spared from death, rescued from slavery, and brought into new life. And we look forward to the day where we will live with him forever, but we're not there yet. You see, what God said to his Old Testament people at key moments in their life and what these believers prayed at this key moment in their life is the same thing that we need to hear on our 10-year anniversary, our 10th birthday. And what is it that we need to hear? Candeo, remember. Remember. Remember the Lord your God and the great salvation that he has brought about in Jesus Christ. And because of who he is and because of what he has done, Candeo, by the power of his Holy Spirit who lives within you, press forward with boldness. Because our great God goes before us, comes behind us, and stands beside us as we walk forward in boldness. And so this morning, it's good and right that we stop it's good and right that we pause and remember not who we are and what we have done, but who God is and what God has done. And as we remember, would God's faithfulness to us in Christ fill us with courage, fill us with boldness, calm our fears for years to come as we glorify God together and find our greatest joy in Jesus. And so now we wanna take some time to remember who God is and what he has done and his faithfulness to us over the last 10 years. It's an exaggeration to say that Candeo was a mistake, but not much. 
It was 2012, and Stan Hayek, who was a Salt Company staff member down in Ames, found himself with a year left on staff. He'd be transitioning off staff that year, and so not quite knowing what his next step was, Stan did what Stan does, and he didn't sit on his hands, but instead he grabbed a handful of Iowa State students and asked himself the question, would God maybe do at UNI what he had done at Iowa State for the last nearly 20 years. And so with a handful of Iowa State students, he drove up here to UNI and on the evening of October 24, 2012, Salt Company Cedar Falls was born, where Iowa State students and UNI students packed out Barn Happy. Now as exciting as that is in hindsight, at the time, it really created a bit of a problem because Salt Company was always intended to be vitally connected to a local church, but now there's a salt company here in Cedar Falls that isn't connected to a local church. And so for the next nine or 10 months, the leadership at Cornerstone scrambled to essentially catch up with what God seemed to be doing here in Cedar Falls. And over the course of those months, the Hayek family, the Sabino family, and the Vint family, along with a handful of ordinary faithful people from Ames, moved up here to Cedar Falls to begin essentially what is Candeo Church. So they started meeting together as a connection group in the Sabino's living room, and eventually that connection group outgrew that living room and multiplied into multiple living rooms. And by the fall of 2013, Candeo Church was having public services at Central Middle School. And over the course of the next two years, we would load in and out every Sunday morning. We basically operated out of a trailer, uh, loading in everything from our sound system to all of Candeo Kids to the computer we would use for graphics. And then we put it back in the box that came in to be able to use for other things throughout the week. Connection groups continue to grow. Salt Company continue to grow. Students and community members continue to come to Christ and be baptized, and God was on the move, and He was doing it through ordinary, faithful people. So as our church was continuing to grow, we realized that we needed to find a space of our own. And so we found a warehouse over on Titan Trail, and after a season of renovations, moved into that space. And the parking lot was gravel, the HVAC system was loud, so we would turn it off during the services, so it would get hot, the chairs, were really uncomfortable, but it was ours. And over the course of that time, God continued once again to move through ordinary faithful people. And we knew that in the midst of this growth that we didn't want Candeo to be the last church that was planted. Candeo means to shine or to grow in brilliance. And we didn't want the light of the gospel, the, the gospel work that was happening here to just stay here. We didn't want to be the last bulb on that chain, but we wanted to participate in taking the gospel to other places because we knew then and we know now that the gospel goes places because people take it there. And so in 2016, we planted Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri, not because the gospel wasn't already there, but because we saw 30,000 college students at Mizzou and knew that there was more work yet to be done to reach those students with the gospel. So ordinary faithful people went and started that work there and ordinary faithful people stayed and continued the work here. And on July 30th, 2017, we had our first services in this building. And two years later, through ordinary faithful people, we planted Salt Church in Gainesville, Florida. And then two years later, through ordinary faithful people, we planted Mercy Hill in Cincinnati. 10 years ago, Ordinary faithful people 
in Ames. We're wondering if God would do in the Cedar Valley what he had done there. And here we are looking back and enjoying the reality that the answer to that question was yes. Here we are 10 years later, looking back on all that God has done and we're eagerly asking him to do it again, to do in hundreds and thousands of other places what he has so faithfully done here through ordinary faithful people. We know that he has because he's done it before. And we know that he can because he's done it before. And we know that he will if we continue to be ordinary faithful people who find their greatest joy in Jesus and take the gospel to those who have yet to receive it. Pretty unbelievable, isn't it, Kendall? And uh, we're gonna take some time here, just the four of us, to kind of walk down memory lane a little bit further together and tell some stories. I recognize, though, there are some familiar faces up here, and there may be an unfamiliar face for you, but uh, Kendall Church, if you don't know who this man is on the far left of me, your right, uh, this is a Kendall hero for us. This is Paul Sabino, founding pastor of Kendall Church, and uh, we're here because of God's work to him. And you, you heard the story, I mean, the, the Sabinos, the Vince, the Van Vorst, the Wises, uh, the Hayeks, uh, the Sadels. I'm trying to think of everybody else who was here in the beginning. There's other people here in the room that, like, you were here from day one. I think of uh, the Stutzmans and Nate Cox and, and others. I'm, I'm going to forget a bunch of names here. But, uh, yeah, Paul, thank you so much for joining us today and in this celebration. We're so glad to have you. I, I'm curious, you know, as you look at that video and start to see some images and things like that. Go back to the early days. What's one of your favorite memories from the early days of Candale? Yeah, that's hard to answer. Um, I was just driving down a road the other night and I was uh, with my kids and I was thinking, and they'll be here second service. Man, I remember getting Josiah up at four something in the morning and uh, had to drive across town to get a truck, had to drive the truck across town to get the trailer, had to hope that my junior high, high school age son could with me break the ice around the base of the trailer or church wouldn't happen because we had to get the trailer then across town to the central middle school. And then you hope the janitor unlocked the building, you know, and, and you gave which it your didn't best happen shot, once, Which didn't right? always happen. Yeah, we were reminiscing last night about that. I mean, to show up at central middle school, which guys, what a group effort. Nate Train, where are you at, Nate Cox? Um, are you in the building? Maybe you're here at second service. I'm not sure. But like this guy, you talk about ministry. He had... Um, he had a scraper ministry. We gave him a putty knife, and what his job was to do is scrape all the gum off all the chairs, you know, in the morning before people sat in them, because they already had to deal with all the profanity that was etched into the chairs. So we thought, at least you don't have to deal with the gum stuck to your chair. But guys like that took gum off chairs, WD-40 the, the doors to make it work. But yeah, we showed up, and the thing was locked. The janitor slept in, and it was like, what do you do? Everyone's coming. And what we did is I, I said, go get my mower. John Bachman jumped on my mower, started mowing the side of Central Middle School because, like, we're going to do church outside right now. And uh, how much stuff do you plug in? I don't know because if we trip the circuit, we can't break into the school to reset the circuit. So you set up some of it. What do we do with for kids? The mower had enough gas. They just kept driving away and etched into the side of the hill like some kids' area we get the word out, bring your chairs, Stan Hayek's like, you want a barbecue? 
I'm like, you know I want a barbecue. And uh, so all of a sudden, barbecues are showing up on trucks. You would have thought we'd planned this for months. And I am standing in front of the school preaching to the, to the crowd. Kids are up on a hillside doing children's church, teaching on Sodom and Gomorrah, of all things, you know. And yet, it was so just patched together, barely held together, and yet the Lord was in it, using very ordinary people to do extraordinary things, and what a delight. Yeah, what a delight. I'm curious, Jen, you were here from the beginning. What yeah. memories come to mind for you? Gosh, I mean, it kind of piggybacks off what Paul was saying, but just like the the church in a box, like the gritty, the raw, the the showing up and unloading boxes, unloading trailers, setting up baby gates in front of classroom doors and and just throwing goldfish on the floor and keeping kids alive. And, you know, just like, let's just get this thing done. I mean, the setup, tear down, are the speakers going to work? Are the lights going to work? Are the, you know, just not knowing what was going to to happen in any of that. It was very exciting. Also, like, just never knowing, like my phone would ring and I would never know what I was going to be asked to do. I remember Paul calling me and saying, Jen, can you, here's a list of names. Can you help people get in connection groups? And then Jenny, his wife, calling me and saying, how do you feel about hot gluing? I've got a project up on stage. I need to hot glue a bunch of leaves to dead trees. Can, can you come help with that? And it's like, yeah, okay, like, let's go. <laughs> all these things, all these things. And it's wild how, I mean, just in a blink of an eye, here we are at, at 10 years. Um, Scott, I want to pull you into kind of a key moment in our, our history. This is one of my favorite pictures uh, in Kendo's uh, past this was a big moment for us. We were at this point, I think four to five years old as a church, and this isn't to play favorites. We love all of the churches that we've planted and every one of them have required great sacrifice. But Paul, you had been such a critical part of planting this church and it was somewhere in year three, three and a half, you felt a calling from God to plant another church. And for us to then at this moment, lay hands on you and a group of people to send you off to Gainesville, Florida. That, that I mean, of all the bold and crazy things we've done at a church, as a church in the past 10 years, I think that's one of the, the boldest. Um, Scott, I'm curious for you, when, when do you first remember that conversation kind of entering your world I mean, as a member of the elder team? And Well, I know if you talk to Paul, um, it had been stirring up in Paul's heart for a while for, for an elder team, for us on the elder team, um, it was at one of our elder retreats. He brought it up, and it was it was scary. I mean, it was one of those where, uh, you know, you're like, are you sure this is from God? Are you sure that's not yeah. Satan yeah. whispering? Because it, it seems so counterproductive to what, where we got it. But it was such a sweet moment to watch what the Holy Spirit had been moving in Paul's heart and mind, and then watch as he shifted an elder team not because Paul was like he wanted to get his way, but to really realize this could be the greatest thing that we, the, the most important thing we need to do because it displays that this church is not Paul Sabino's church. It never has been Paul Sabino's church. It's never been Cody's church. It's never, it, it never will be Jake, Cody's, Paul's church. And this was a great representation to go. It's Jesus's church. He's the chief shepherd of our church, and we're going to follow where he goes. And if that means... Paul is going to get sent down to a new place, then it's going to do it. But it was, it was scary. Yeah, I think one of the lines that entered into the elder room was, what if the worst thing that we could imagine would actually be the greatest thing that would ever happen to Candeo Church? And that moved the room to begin to believe in faith that this would be 
an important thing for us to do, to etch into the foundation of our church in year five, that we're going to be open-handed as a people and continue to be about multiplication, not becoming a marginally better church here in the Cedar Valley, but how to continue to, to leverage what God has given us to see more churches planted and more people reach for the gospel in this nation and to the ends of the earth. And, and Paul, can you just share a little bit about what God has now done in Gainesville through Salt Church? Yeah, it's been an amazing ride. Um, you know, your guys' ability to not give in to fear, but to walk in faith has set an absolute precedent for our network and just going like, it's never been about one person. I mean, it, like, let's just see what the Lord does. Um, guys, you let go of me. We went down to Florida. We, we picked the most influential school. There are 33 major universities, over a million university students in Florida alone. We picked the most influential school and planted there. We walked through a union when we were first there, the university auditorium, and thought, oh my word, wouldn't it be amazing if someday Salt Company met here? I'm just saying because of your faith and your giving and your generosity and your prayers and your service, like just a few weeks ago, we had 718 University of Florida students fill up that auditorium <laughs> to hear the gospel. 718 at a school of um, just over 60,000 that now influences the state in a profound way. And even when we were just a brand new church plant, God opened up an opportunity for us to have a couple church planters in. We couldn't afford to give them a dollar, but we had some experience to give them. And they came on staff with us. Guys, just within the last month, the stage filled again, not this stage, to say goodbye to another church plant. But get this, Cornerstone that planted this church that planted Salt Church was then commissioning out our first church plant, the first grandchild church, great-grandchild church plant, you know. And the stage um, at our church was filled with people all heading down to Orlando to plant our first church, your kind of grandkid church in Orlando, Florida, at a school of probably 70-some thousand, I mean, or high 60s, UCF is one of the largest schools in the nation, and guys, they're heading down and just getting started planting. So that is like God working through this church to the next church to the next church, and honestly, one of the most exciting things for us was just the establishing of our elder team. You know, we've got a, a picture here, and some of you are gonna not like me. Oh, that guy on the right? No, he's not coming back. He is there to stay. Like, you sent Jordan with, and I'm, I'm sure some are even upset that he went. I know Casey's still a little upset she went. I mean, she loves this, you know, but like, God has just refreshed my soul, and we are tag-teaming that together. And guys, this was the first picture of our full elder team with a bunch of Florida elders also in there. So God is establishing his church, and we just feel like we have a front-row seat to the coolest uh, show that God's got going. Yeah, it, it's wild. A church plant in Columbia, Missouri, Gainesville, Florida, Cincinnati, Ohio, soon to be one in Mankato, a, a grandchild. We, we have as a church collectively sent out 106 members from our church to see new works established nationally and internationally with now nine current people meeting up in a living room on a weekly basis praying over Mankato and a move there, and five others that are dreaming about the nations and moving long-term overseas this summer. That number just continues to grow, and I love celebrating that, that God continues to, to raise people up and send them out of this place. It's, it's wild, it's wild. So to celebrate sending, but we also talk about this also, like, like everybody is sent, right? We say this every week, right? You are sent. 
Like everybody in this room is sent. Some people go, they go to other places, they, they get U-Hauls and move to other cities and things like that. But everybody is sent full of the Holy Spirit into wherever God has called you to, which means being a light to the people out there, but also being a light to the city that we live in. Maybe Scott and Jen, can you just speak to, think about the impact that you've been able to see our church have locally. What do you celebrate? Oh, so much. Um, I just think about before Candeo was here, um, and then I try to compare to where we are today, in this, just in the Cedar Valley, I think about the counseling center that we've launched um, and just all the people who are being helped over there. Um, it's, it was obviously a need. It's still a need. Um, our, there's a wait list, so we know that it was worth it. Um, I think about all our partner ministries. I think about people in this room who own those partner ministries, that they're so invested in them that like that's where their heart is, that's where their passion is, and it's for the people that those organizations are serving. And so it's just, it's really amazing to um, think about all of the different faces, all of the different people. It's not just people who get up here on stage on a Sunday morning who are having an impact here. It's people sitting in these chairs who are out doing the work, helping other people come to know Jesus and also to just show God's love to people. It's just amazing the impact, the ripple effect that this church has had. What about you, Scott? What would you add? Yeah, it, piggyback, it piggybacks a lot on what Jen just said. I look around the room. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it this morning. I'll do it, you know, at, at next service. But in the last 10 years, I've seen so many people, you heard Jake say it, the gospel goes places because people take it there, right? The church was God's plan A. There's no other plan that he has to get the gospel to the world. And how we do that is people who are willing to live in, I guess I'll use the phrase, contented obscurity. I can look around the room, and if you look in some of the background photos, you can see the Stutzmans, Lola and Danielle in all these background pictures. And look a little bit more, and you'll probably find Jordan Eiliff in there, contented obscurity. There are story after story after story in the last 10 years of what God has done, not making good people or not making bad people good, but taking them from death to life through his son, Jesus Christ, and then living in this joyful obedience and going like, how could you not want to serve the God that would send his son for you? And to seeing, see, watch that be done within a group of people, a family like this over the last 10 years is what I celebrate probably more than anything else. And watching, I think I said this last night, uh, when people started to land up here, like Joel and Rachel Wise, who will be here a little bit later today, uh, Todd and Paige Van Vorst, I, I could name all these different families. Some of you know, some of you don't. I had a lot of, you did what moments with them? To, to hear the story of somebody that, that said, hey, my comfort is worth giving up for the sake of the gospel going to a different place. That transformed my family. And I got to see that over and over again as we got planted. And I go, I don't want to see that stop. And that's what I celebrate. Yeah. I love telling our story, guys. And I never want to stop telling it. Because it does. It reminds us of God's faithfulness and it encourages us forward. I'm curious, Paul, just a few minutes or seconds left. Would you, just a final encouragement for our people. Yeah, I was just thinking I didn't know what to name a church when I was about to come here. And I had heard something about a word like Candeo. And I was down visiting my Aunt Florence, and she was brilliant, and she knew Latin. And I said, can you help me to understand this word? 
and my Aunt Florence has rejected the gospel that I was trying to share with her completely, but she helped me open up a Latin grammar and look at the verb can dare, which I didn't know, and the first person singular conjugation was can deo, which means I shine, I grow in brilliance. And I thought of Jesus going, I'm going to shine, I'm gonna grow in brilliance. And then he would turn around to his followers and he would go, you two are the light of the world. And I share that story because within the last month, my Aunt Florence stepped into eternal darkness, never having responded to the gospel. She helped name this church Candeo, but she never received the light of Christ. If you are here, would you please recognize that God has brought you here to open up your own heart to Jesus, who can bring light into darkness. And for those who are here and go, that's my story, I know that. Would this church never stop being a light? In this city, in your families, think of your sports team, think of the coworkers, think of the people who live around you. You have to tell them. You have to tell them that Jesus is a light that can bring you out of darkness. He did it for you. You gotta keep that story going. The best teachers, the best leaders, they're all in this room. They're young and they're gonna outpace all of us. But continue to be a reflection of Candeo, the Savior who said, I shine, I shine brilliantly. And may God use this church to keep bringing the light of the gospel into dark places. It will be for your joy and for God's glory. So, yeah. yeah absolutely. Church family, would you stand with us? I'm going to ask you, uh, Scott, an elder for us. Would you pray for us to lead us back into a time of worship and celebration of God and a bold faith for us to continue to march forward faithfully in yeah. obedience to him? God in Jeremiah 9 you say the wise man must not boast in his wisdom, the strong man must not boast in his strength, the wealthy man must not boast in his wealth, but the one who boasts should boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am Yahweh, showing faithful love, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things. And we do not boast in anything that we are, anything that we have done, but we boast in the God that would love us so much that he would send his one and only son to live a life for us that we were supposed to live but couldn't, to die on a cross that we deserve to die and to hang on, then to go into the grave for three days, but then be raised by the power of your spirit to new life so that we could walk in new life with you and that we could live a life that would flourish. God, that's what we wanna be. We want to call other people into that same thing that you've called us into, God, and that's being reconciled back to you through your son. Hey, God, as we do that, would we celebrate, would we live in joyful obedience to you and call others to do the same? God, we are an unremarkable people, but we serve a remarkable God. So we give you all the glory this morning. We wanna sing at the top of our lungs in praise and adoration to you this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. This has been a message from Candeo Church. To learn more about us or to hear more messages, visit us at candeochurch.com.